Welcome to the With Beth podcast. I'm Beth Levis, creator of Edible Collagen Brand by Beth. Like so many of us, I've always been intrigued by stories of empowerment. Whether that story is about career, business, a health challenge, or a more personal journey. I deeply admire those who can overcome obstacles and come out on top. So please join me as I speak to some incredible Australians who have inspiring experiences to share. Welcome to the With Beth podcast. I'm Beth Levis, your host. Today, we have a special guest joining us, the incredible Erin Holland. Erin is a multi-talented Australian singer, television host, sports presenter, model, dancer, and charity worker. She rose to fame after winning the Miss World Australia title in 2013. With a classical voice degree from the Sydney Conservatorium of Music, Erin is a trained soprano singer. Alongside her successful modelling career, she is actively involved in charity work, serving as an ambassador for organisations such as Beauty with Purpose, Variety, Make-A-Wish Foundation and Ronald McDonald Charity. Erin's talents, philanthropy and dedication make her an inspiring figure in the entertainment industry. Erin, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Your list of accomplishments is truly impressive, to say the least. And we're excited to explore your career journey and draw inspiration from your experiences. Let's start by going back to your participation in Miss World Australia. What motivated you to take part in the pageant? And and would you say that it played a significant role in launching your successful career? Firstly, thank you. I mean, reading out all those accomplishments, I do feel like I'm really busy, which is nice, but it's been a really amazing journey. I mean, to think of growing up in Cairns as a young kid with big dreams of of being on Broadway, like I can hardly believe that, you know, here I am 17 years after moving to Sydney and I'm still here and surviving and and thriving in in a career in the entertainment industry. I just feel so, so lucky and blessed to be doing what I'm doing. But yeah, the catalyst really was the Miss Australia competition. And and I never grew up wanting to be a model and I never thought I'd be a pageant girl. I was a little performer my entire life. Like since I was four years old, thrown into dancing, I've always been on stage, but I never thought that I'd end up doing something like that. It's wild to me that it's been the catalyst to what's been an incredible career in the entertainment industry. And I think if nothing else, it's a lesson in take every opportunity because you never know where yes. it could lead you. So the why to do a pageant all those years ago 10 years ago this year, which is crazy, Jen Hawkins in the height of her career, Rachel Finch, Jacinta Campbell, she was then, of course, Franklin these days. These girls were having incredible careers, but in different realms of the entertainment industry. Rachel, we know, is really into her health and wellness. Jen was just an all-encompassing ambassador, Jacinta Franklin. She's done so many wonderful things. And and I was auditioning for musical after musical at this point, post Mm -hmm. the conservatorium and getting really close sometimes and, and other shows getting out first round and walking with my resume and my piece of paper. And other than studying at the conservatorium, I didn't really have anything else to show for it. So I thought, you know, what can I sort of do to give myself a leg up, have something interesting. A boost. A boost. I just, yeah. I needed a boost. And and at this time as well, Rob Mills was starting to do what he was doing in musical theatre, obviously coming from Australian Idol and fame, notoriety and, and Erica Haynatz, who is an incredible musical theatre performer, but came from slightly different backgrounds. I thought, wow, maybe something like that would help me as well. And and once I know I'm in, I know I can do a good job and, you know, like them have a great career, but I just need that in. Yes. So, and so it was ultimately to help you with your singing career, the musicals. It, it was. It yeah. was all about, you know, getting to that ultimate goal of being on Broadway. And yes. I chose Miss World 
Australia versus Miss Universe because Miss World is like Miss Congeniality. So we're talking the talent component. We're talking the charity, which is the world peace aspect. We're talking like it's quite an all-encompassing competition. And knowing that I could sing, I'm like, surely that'll help me stand out. And it's always just been about what can I do to make me stand out amongst the many other options? Because as we know, the entertainment industry is full of people who want to get in, full of hopefuls. Yes, 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 exactly. Okay, so you entered and then tell me about your journey throughout the competition. So I first entered in 2012, the year before I won, got to the top 10 of the Australian competition and and like with anything, it's, you know, it's an audition for a job. They're looking for a brand ambassador that encompasses the values of the organisation. So after my first attempt, which, you know, top 10, not too bad, I looked at Top 10 is amazing, by the way. Not too bad, but I didn't win. (laughs) And I'm very competitive, so. I thought, okay, I I looked at what I thought they were looking for. I did my research even more. So I worked on the way that I presented myself and going into the nitty gritty of what they're actually looking for and then came back the next year and won. I think that's a a real testament to as well to this industry is if you don't succeed at first, try, try again. Exactly. Do your research. So I, yes, I sort of worked on a few things, came back the next year and won. And from there, I went to the international competition over in Bali that year, 133 countries that year. What an incredible experience just to be there. Tell me a bit about that experience there. I mean, to have that many participants there, to be living, breathing with them, competing with them as well. Tell me a little bit about that time there. It was wild. It's literally like the movie. And I, and I, say that like with love because it really was an out-of-body experience in so many ways to be thrust into a foreign country. I'd never really traveled much as well. Family had never really gone overseas. We'd never gone overseas together, actually. Growing up in Cairns, our trips each year were to Brisbane to see my grandparents. You know, it's we, funny. Sorry, I'm going to stop you there. Your upbringing is very similar to mine <laughs> up until the point where you go for this competition in the pageant. <laughs> it was that From then, we're very different. But the simple upbringing and the Queensland upbringing and dancing and musical, very similar. And we, we couldn't afford to go overseas either. We've had no international holidays together as a family in my childhood. And it was all about everyone loading up in the car, shoving as many suitcases and, you know, extra luggage in plastic bags and shove it in whatever footwell you can fit in the car and driving down to the relatives in Brisbane. And that's 24-hour drive, mind you. Yes, it's not that close. is. <laughs> I think we did it once and we were like, never again, we'll save up to fly. <laughs> yes, no, well, we didn't. We kept driving. But we're, so Wales is from Townsville. So Townsville to Brisbane, 50 hour drive. And my mom used to buy this one packet of minties and she'd give it, there was, we were a family she'd of six. them out to you. them out. <laughs> it was a competition over how long it would take you to, to eat one minty. And whoever took the longest would win a bonus minty. Your mom's a genius. <laughs> She's a genius. She's genius. How am I going to make this last longer? Make it a competition. I mean, we asked them all then, aren't we? It was very competitive yes, fighting, yes. fighting spirit. And, and I think as much as I loved my upbringing and growing up in regional Queensland was just so wonderful in so many ways. It does set you at an immediate setback for certain careers because, you know, there wasn't much entertainment industry obviously going on up in Cairns. No, none. And none. They, well, yeah, yeah, same as Townsville, none. Yeah. yeah. So you had to be, I think, a, a real fighter and you had to really want it to be able to sort of get out of regional far North Queensland as yes. it was for both of us and, and, and survive somewhere like Sydney from a very young age, which is what I did from 17 years old as soon as I graduated Kent yes. State High School. I but let's, let's talk away. a little bit more there. You, you say it's a disadvantage and I can understand the disadvantage, but what kind of qualities do you think that being the underdog has really given you that you had to fight in order to get there? Just for those people listening and wanting to be aspire to follow your path, what are those qualities where you think it really gave you an advantage because you came from being the underdog? 
it's the fight you get from being the underdog, isn't it? And and I have an A-type personality and I am very competitive. So I was a very one-track mind. This is what I want to do. And I remember my poor parents who were teachers mm-hmm. and followed a very my traditional- My mom's a school teacher. Yeah, oh my God. My yeah. dad's a principal. My mom's a school teacher. <laughs> They've worked so hard their whole lives. The second they finished teacher's college and started in the workforce and I'm, I'm there going, but mom, I just want to sing. And she's going, what? <laughs> really? I'm like, yeah. She's like, but you did well in school. I'm like, yes, but this is all I want to do. And that was so good to me in that even though it was a hugely expensive move and it wasn't easy, I'm sure, to say goodbye to a 17-year-old firstborn mm-hmm. to move to a big city like Sydney, which is over three hours away on a plane, mm-hmm. one way. They well, backed me. drive for us. Yeah, two-day drive. My dad drove me at 17 down to Sydney to drop me off. Two days down, it would have been two days for him to get back. Yeah, it's a long way. It's a long way, but it, it was the fight and the appreciation of this is a shot and I'm so lucky that I'm even being given this shot and I have to make the most of this. Like if, if this doesn't work out, then I have to go home. And so I think that drive of that knowing there there wasn't a safety net and that was so good for for someone like me and everyone's different and everyone has the the things that motivate them. But for me, that constant sense of wanting to achieve has been what served me well because there's so many setbacks in this industry. Honestly, it gets so disheartening and it doesn't end. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where you are and how well you're doing. Every job has an ending when you're a freelancer. So Mm -hmm. that constant drive to survive. The grit, the determination. Yes. Yeah. For, you know, the longest time it was just kind of me supporting myself and working promo job after promo job after handing out Tim Tams in Martin Place or flyering or, you know, doing the odd crappy modeling job, which is why I ended up going into the the pageant and hoping that it'd be the leg up that I needed to foray into the entertainment industry. But I did work seven days a week for all hours of the night. And and when I stop and think about some of the things that I I, I did, my God, I, I was literally working twelve hour days every day of the week to try and make enough money to pay rent in Sydney for yes. for years. So yes, it was astronomical here. Oh my so God, it was ridiculous. desperation, yeah, of needing to do something different that led me to the Miss Australia thing. But but drive and determination, yeah. and it's such a key important point there because I think that's what a lot of people these days are lacking, or they forget about the importance of that. And I guess it's a good thing, and and you're lucky that you were put in that position. Life happens for you, not to you, and it really helped make you shine and push forward and be hungry for those things that you wanted to achieve. Let's go back then. Tell me about how was this a catalyst for your career and where did it project you to? You used it in the beginning, hoping to project your musical career, but where did it take you to afterwards? Oh, goodness. So use it for that point, like you mentioned, and and I always thought that that's what I wanted to do. And then post the competition, nothing's handed to you. It's not a gateway to a career, mm-hmm. the Miss Australia title. And I want to be very clear by that. It's not like you walk into- It's not automatic. It's not automatic. When I did it anyway, there weren't any contracts that I walked straight into. There, there wasn't any monetary gain immediately for doing the title. There was a year of sort of traipsing around the world with the international organisation singing for their charity events, which I loved because for the first time, this little kid got to travel the world, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm 24 by this, this stage and I'm getting to go to China and America and England. What an 
incredible experience too. It was the best. Yeah. It was honestly the best. Was your mum just so proud too? I think she, yeah, obviously she's, yeah, my mum's my biggest fan, I think, but she's she's very clever with me. She knows what gets me going and she's never been a show mum. She's never yeah. been a kind of blow smoke up your ass for yeah. no reason. But I think that's very, <laughs> that goes with the territory of where we grew up, isn't it? Like I uh, think so. My parents are very much about making things more realistic and keeping you grounded and humble. So uh, yeah, I can imagine your mother being very similar in, in that respect. She's proud of you, but she'll keep it to herself in and order to just what, keep you grounded. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I said I was going to do this, she goes, really? Why? I was like, <laughs> mom, I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I'm going to make this work. But I guess she had a plan for you and you've gone against that plan. So I can yeah. understand as a parent myself, I can, you know. I should ask her one day what that plan was. I actually don't know because I'm always so just headstrong at knowing that I wanted to be a performer and be on stage. I'd yeah. love to know actually what she thought I'd do. Yeah, interesting question. Yeah. Next, next family I'll call dinner. you after this podcast, <laughs> man. But yeah, so, so after that I, I traipsed around the world, not really making any money but having some amazing life experiences mm-hmm. with the Miss World organisation, which I'll always be so, so grateful for. And then kind of almost ended up back at square one again where I had an agent, a musical theatre agent, but those sorts of agents deal with castings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, past castings would come through and I'm like, oh, this is kind of not what I wanted. I want someone to help me build a brand outside of just being a performer so that the people want me for me yes. as to who I am rather than just another name on a piece of paper. And this agent goes, okay, well, I know a, a PR guy. He's amazing. I want you to meet with him. I say, okay, great. And he turned out to be my manager who I've had for nine years now. So oh, his amazing. Name's, his name's Morgan Barter and he's an absolute legend and he's who I credit so much in my success too because at the end of the day, you can be good at what you do but the people you surround yourself with to help you make the right decisions mm-hmm. can be everything in this industry. Yes. And he's been my everything for nine yes. years now. So I think that really yeah. rings true to so many different industries or, or just life in general. The people you surround yourself with can really determine your personality, your projection in life for good or bad. And I think that's key where sometimes we need to step away and really analyze who are around us and what influence they're having on our life and how are we influencing other people. He sounds like he was really key in uh, building your brand identity, I guess, your Erin Holland brand identity. And when you are the brand, that's the thing. You can't get perspective when it's yourself. And that's why having people around you that you trust is so important because everything's so emotional Mm. when you are the product, essentially. Who am I? Like, And for me as a performer, I'm kind of always being like, well, what do you need me to be? Because yes. I'm used to getting my character on a piece of paper or so true. my words in a song. Like, you know, who am I playing today? When you're you, how do you know what your worth is and what you stand for? And, you know, it's, it's really hard to get your head around. So having someone that you trust, I always get people, very, very well-known people in this industry say to me, you're so lucky mm-hmm. to have him mm-hmm. hang on to him. Yes. And I am. I'm not going anywhere. Wherever he goes, I follow. And he's had some changes of direction in terms of being when we were both at Morrissey Management going down the strict performer path to as the digital world has grown, he's had a hand in all sorts of agencies as a part of that. But he's at 22 Management now because they saw in him what I saw in him. And we both moved over to there about six months ago, which has been awesome as well. But wherever he goes, I will always go because to have someone who you actually genuinely 
think believes in you and, and has your back is so hard to find. Very hard to in find. Life, in life, in, in this world. That's right, in all industries and all pathways, yeah. So if you've found that and that connection and that trust and that loyalty and he's your biggest cheerleader, so to speak, yeah, that's very key. It sounds like he might be getting quite a few phone calls from some listeners. <laughs> <laughs> he's always been my northern star with things and since there it's been a really interesting journey and it's always wanted to work on a network here in Australia. I always wanted to be on TV as well and and looking at back, I go, yeah, I wanted to be on Broadway, but I was obsessed with Dancing with the Stars and I was obsessed with morning TV and variety because entertainment's all about people and mm. I love people. I've made it my job to talk to people and to connect with people. And I think growing up where I grew up in far north Queensland and being exposed to the things I was, plus having you know such a love for sport long before my husband came onto the scene, I can talk to people about most things. Yes. And, and I love that. So it's been, it's been a really interesting journey. And God, we'd be here for four hours, I think, if we went through every step. But I know. When I was just <laughs> researching the introduction to introduce you, I knew how talented and incredible you were. But the list of accolades for you just goes on and on. So it's a full credit to yourself. And it's a journey which is so excited to hear about, you know, to see where each key point has taken you. Bybeth is an Australian edible beauty brand that celebrates local ingredients and sustainable practices. All of our formulations use 100% Australian bovine collagen, which is clinically proven to hydrate the skin from within, strengthen hair and nails, and support overall gut health. Grass-fed and pasture-raised, our collagen is of the highest quality available. We also use native Australian botanical extracts selected for their antioxidant properties. By turning our attention to the abundance of Australia, we support the local economy and have full transparency over our supply chain. Taking our collagen couldn't be easier. Simply add to your favourite drink, stir to dissolve and sip. At Bybeth, our biggest beauty inspiration is nature, so our packaging materials have been selected for their environmental credentials and minimal footprint. All of our products are plastic-free and our signature vessel is refillable. We invite you to welcome in a new ritual and watch your beauty abound. So after the pageant, would you say then that really projected you, I mean, obviously you met with your agent and he helped build your brand identity, but did he help steer you into the presenting and the TV presenting and getting you into that part of the industry that you wanted to get into? Absolutely. And it's so difficult to do. You know, everyone goes, oh, I want to be a presenter. I want to be mm. on TV. I want to be an actor. I want to be an actor. It is an amazing, glamorous industry in some ways, sure, but it is so hard in so many other ways and, and so much of this right place, right time mantra is about, but who's putting you in the right place at yes. the right time in front of the right people. And that's what Morgan's been so fantastic at doing as well, plus helping me survive along the way. Yes. So that's where building a brand and, and marketability and being able to work in, in other facets whilst you work towards the big dream of being and helping you not designer. lose your identity too, because I can imagine like you just touched on there, being told what character to play or what TV station to be presenting for. You, it can be very easy to be pushed down a certain pathway and lose your own personal brand identity that you want to hold your values in high esteem and whatever you've worked towards as well. For him to be there in your corner there, I think would be incredibly important. Do you agree? Absolutely. And I think one thing that is a core memory for me very early on in our relationship as he goes, everything you put out there online now lives forever. Mm -hmm. It's all becomes part of your brand. Mm -hmm. So every time you post something, I just want you to think, 
does this align with where Aaron wants to be in five years? Yes. Does taking on this endorsement align with where Aaron wants to be in five years? I know we might financially love to say yes to that, but it's not quite right, is it? Yes. And I just want you to have that in your mind every time you put a piece of yourself out there. Yes. Is this something that's going to help you get to where you want to go? It needs to align with your values as in well. In the future. Yeah. And that, that's been great because obviously as this influencer world grows and, and there's opportunities that pop up in so many different facets of the market, it would be great to say yes to something, but in five years' time, is this where you want to be. And these are people you want to work with. Mm-hmm. Don't spread yourself thin and endorse six of the same sort of item, like because you know, you know you want to work with Sephora long term, which mm-hmm. has been a client of mine for six years now. So it's it's making the right decisions for the future. And yes. In this world now, this instant gratification is everywhere. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the best things in life you go to play the long game. We've always been long game. With yeah, the career. Very true, very, very wise at- words too. And I think they get forgotten about quite a lot. You, know, you said there's instant gratification and the whole generation coming through right now, it's all about instant gratification. And, you know, sometimes even waiting two or three days for something to be shipped to my teenage daughters. It's too long. Yes, exactly. Amazon can have it here today. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. But I need the dress tonight. It's daddy daughter dance tonight. I'm like, well, you should have thought of that last week. What can I tell you? Yeah, it's not teaching us good um, organization, is it? No, <laughs> no but, but I love what you said there. And that really, really true for everyone, even, you know, myself, everyone in every facet of life, you know, think about your own personal values, your own personal brand identity. What do you want to project out to the world? What impact do you want to have on the world? And how do you want other people to perceive what you're projecting, etc.? And where do you want to be in five years time? I think they're really important points for all of us to remember. Then what happened? I'm working with my manager at this point and I'm doing bits and pieces in TV. I'm doing bits and pieces, still singing, which is great. Did some TV shows with Orny Monty on Channel 7, raising awareness of breast cancer. Holy moly, embarrassing myself trying to hit a mini golf ball all across an obstacle course. I did SAS Australia, which was just wild. That's yeah, a whole that is other podcast crazy. in itself. Oh my that gosh. One. My real foray into television was probably all from an Instagram post. Mm, tell me about this one. So it's a few years ago now. I think it was 2018 and my husband had just been picked up in the IPL, which for cricket lovers out there, they'll know it is the most lucrative T20 cricket competition in the world. Congratulations. In was a good year that year. And he was he's picked up by this particular team called the Mumbai Indians, who are known for being, you know, one of the richest in the world mm-hmm. and just have you know, unlimited resources, they're, they're, they're a massive deal. And Mumbai Indians had said, you know, congratulations, Ben, we can't wait to have you. And I've posted a photo on Instagram saying, congratulations, babe, like so excited, can't wait to come over to India and visit. And on my profile, thank goodness, I'd said, Erin Holland, former Miss Australia, TV presenter, singer, dancer, etc." And someone from their social media team of God knows how many hundreds of thousands have, has seen this post of mine and gone, ah, oh, TV presenter, hmm. Do you do sport? And I went, I can do sport. Yes, sure. yes I can. <laughs> you know, say yes now, figure it out later, perform yes. on 101 on, on your CV. But I said, yeah, sure, sure, why not? And I'd grown up watching so much sport thanks to my dad and my little brother. Had a huge interest in cricket and NRL being a kid from Cairns. So I was very familiar with the sport, but obviously never sports broadcasted before. Yes. But backyard, backyard cricket up until then. From then I, I did a just a self-tape with Ben pretending to be cricket great, Matthew Hayden, mm-hmm. from, <laughs> on a panel. And ended up being an anchor for 
Indian cricket for half a billion people. And that was my first ever foray into sport and didn't go that well. My first live cross was a bomb. And I remember being so upset. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like you you can't do this. You don't know what you're doing. But as with everything, you just I just dug deep and I made it work and I learned and mm-hmm. and here I am five years later working for Channel 7, working all around the world, hosting broadcast. And it just goes to show that, you know, sometimes you don't have to go through the conventional methods and you never know what life will throw at you, but it's what you do with the opportunity that, you know, sort of comes from there. And I I know I was in a very privileged position to, I probably had a couple of followers and a blue tick, which did pique this company's interest in me and, you know, the relationship to my husband. But if I wasn't any good Surely I wouldn't still be here five years later doing what I'm doing. I mean, I love that whole story, but the key takeaway from that is, is take every opportunity where every opportunity arises and make the most of it. Just like you said, it wasn't something that you had expected, but you used it and then you really use that to create such an incredible TV presenting career. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride and and I've still got so many, you know, goals and aspirations of where I'd like to take that in the future. And you know, it's crazy to think of where even the role of a TV presenter lands as this landscape increases and free-to-air TV sort of becomes less and less and we're, you know, we're looking to our streaming services. But, you know, the one thing that will always be live is is the news and sport. Yes. So I feel like I'm still on the right And <laughs> cricket's right not avenue. going anywhere. <laughs> Definitely not. It's so. getting bigger and bigger and Absolutely. growing on a global stage. So, yeah, I'm, I'm forever grateful for an Instagram post. Who'd have thought? Internet, not all bad. Yep, there you go. <laughs> Don't tell my kids. <laughs> How do you balance your professional commitments with your charity work and how do they complement each other in your life? I don't really have any balance in my life and I think all of my friends and family would attest to that. I'm such a a workaholic. I adore my job and I say yes to, you know, whatever I can. Like I will work myself to the bone if it's all things that I want to do and Mm -hmm. causes that are important to me. So I haven't really figured out the whole balance thing yet and a lot of that comes down to, I tried to sort of figure it out a couple of years ago, like, because everyone goes, you just work, 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 work. I was like, yeah, but but my work encompasses so many different facets now, whether or not it is performing or presenting or, you know, partaking in some wonderful charity work that I do or, you know, giving my time for whatever it may be. You know, I, I encompass that all as, as part of my work and I've been so lucky to create a career where I can support myself doing the things that I love. I don't really have hobbies, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say is because yes. my work is is, is so, your hobby. Is my hobby. Yeah. And, and I've managed to create a life where that pays me enough of a wage that I can do that. Like yeah. what a what a joy so that is. Exactly. You feel so privileged and lucky. Yeah. And then to be able to give back to all the charities. I mean, I listed a few in the introduction, but there's quite a few more that you're involved in. So how do you manage that time in terms, you say you're so busy with your career. How do you manage your time with all those charities? And I guess, what does it give back to you? I mean, you obviously do it for a purpose for yourself, I'm guessing as well, in, in terms of making yourself feel you know, so impactful and, and giving back to this world, which is so pivotal and so important for all of us. But how do you balance all of that, I guess? It's just such an important thing to do. And I think if you're privileged enough to have any sort of a platform, any way that I can use it for good, then that's something that I I would love to do. And I think I would love to be able to give back hugely in a monetary sense one day. I'm I'm not 
there yet to make a huge difference. But if I can offer my services to sing for yes. you know, Jeans for Jeans, which I did a few years back, or Tour de Cure, which I'm attending again coming up, or if I can put my hand up to be a host and save you some money in some way or, you know, use or my... Or just raising awareness as raising well. Raising awareness. And I'm lucky to have a few million followers across all of my platforms. If I if I can do something like so simple, you talk about time management, it's not a huge impact on my time really to do these things in the scheme of what these incredible charities accomplish. And I always feel guilty that I don't do more with any of them. And, and there's so many causes that are close to my heart, whether or not it's RSPCA or I'm a mad mad animal lover from from oh, way back, yes. which I inherited from my grandma or the variety children's charities, which I was introduced to through Miss World or, yes. you know, doing our Indigenous outreach programs, which was part of that competition, you know, world peace, but, you know, we we're raising money for really important causes and heading out to the Red Centre and experiencing, you know, real outback Australia. Like I, I always feel guilty that, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting more from those experiences yes. than, than they're getting from me anyway. So I, I, I feel the same every time I get involved in something. I'm actually just so grateful for the experience and so grateful to them for giving me the experience yeah. and giving back. Like you want because, me? Absolutely. Yes, what, yeah. you know, what oh, can I so do? It's so heartwarming too, to be able to just give whatever we can. And it's, it's not always money. Sometimes it's just using your platform to raise awareness or it's your time to sing in order to help them raise money for their, you know, necessary charitable needs. But I've always walked away from any charitable event that I've done, just feeling on top of the world and like I've um, just, you know, so heart- heartwarming, like I've helped give back. So, yeah, yeah I, can, I, mean, I they're, understand they're the, the real feeling. heroes. It's, it's so little skin off my nose to exactly, you know, yeah. make, make time in my schedule for an important event or a post to raise awareness or whatever it may be. I'm, I'm always open arms for, for things like that. And yeah, I just think if you're so privileged to have an audience these days, it's a very simple way of giving back to to be able to use it. So yeah, I'm, in terms of time management, I, I'm not really very good at that. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> you know book myself out until there's no hours left in the day, and I, I kind of love it. I think it way. speaks true to your heart, and um, it shows what kind of person you are too. Yeah, you're welcome. So what I want to ask you is just or give our listeners some key lessons or key takeaways from any challenges that you've had in life. Um, you know, what have you learned about resilience and overcoming obstacles? What can you share with us there? I think growing up as a, a performer and being in this industry, you know, resilience is so part and parcel to your day. And, and as I mentioned before, it doesn't really get any easier, but you have better ways of coping. Mm-hmm. I've got coping mechanisms now where I can sort of take a step back and try and take some of the me out of it and and realise that, it's the whole adage of not everyone likes tea, but there's many varieties of, of tea in the world, yes. you know. You cannot be everyone's cup of tea sometimes and that's okay. Like there's plenty of opportunities out there for everyone and, and it's just this tenacity of like if it's what you love and you can't imagine doing anything else, just keep on going. Like you you will find a way. Believe in yourself. You will too. find a way. And and there's parts of me that sort of look back and go, Oh, I didn't do what I set out to do, which was to be a performer and I do miss performing a lot sometimes but I'm looking at a way to bring that back into my future and there's always ways I think to follow your dream and it's all about the journey in the end too like you never know which way this life will take you and you might find a different avenue that satisfies your soul the way that you thought something else might and for me I guess TV presenting has been that you know it's it's live TV it's live broadcast it's the thrill of live performance which I thought I'd get from singing but I am getting from my work in TV broadcast these Mm -hmm. days too so it's just yeah I think it's just I've had to learn to you know deal with a lot of rejection across the years and and I'm, I'm so glad that 
this, you know, listening to my heart and the inner tenacity of like, no, this this is what you want to do and, you know, you will find a way. Just keep at it. Get rid of that self-doubt and believe in yourself. Yeah, and I think, you know, self-doubt is also very common and very normal mm-hmm. and it's just all about not letting it overcome you and find a way to push forward to tomorrow because you literally never know mm-hmm. what could be around the corner. Correct. With life. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, I've loved all the lessons you've given us today and hearing your journey. I've absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing. I'm sure everyone is really going to enjoy this podcast. So thank you so much for your time today, Erin. Thank you for having me. You're a beautiful human being. And um, I'm sure all these charities, no doubt, are so grateful for your time and what you're giving back to this world. So, so am I. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the With Beth podcast. For show notes and more information about today's podcast and by Beth, head to www.bybeth.com.